Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine 22nd of February 2024? Can you believe it? We're already staring down March, and you know what that means. Yeah, me either. I have no idea, actually. March is just another nice winter uh, month, but I suppose it's a uh, I suppose it's in springtime. That's what I'm waiting for, springtime. Um, we are in the middle of an amazing week. Actually, today, my friends, I'm in, as a recording, I'm in the airport in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, about to board a plane, or actually in a few hours I'll board a plane because it keeps getting pushed back for reasons uh, unknown. Um, I'm in Dallas. I, I, I flew in last night, yesterday. I uh, had a meeting with folks in Europe and India from midnight till 3 a.m. local time. I did that remotely, of course, uh, from my hotel here in Dallas. Went to bed, woke up, had another meeting with customers here in Dallas. Uh, and now I'm back at the airport heading home to San Francisco. It's uh, been a very busy day. And just today we released Spring Boot 3.2.3, which is uh, the, if you saw that I've done some talks recently and I had to roll back the 3.2.1 because there's this weird bug in Spring Data. Well, yeah, that's been since fixed. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. It's been, uh, that, that said, speaking of Spring Data, there is an issue. Uh, the issue that I had was with um, uh, Spring Data and uh, repositories. And um, that was with JDBC. I was using Spring Data JDBC. Well, now there's a new issue. If you're using, if you upgrade to Spring Boot 3.2.3, then you're going to get the new version of Hibernate, which does not work with Gravium. So if you're using Hibernate, then, you know, maybe don't. But if you are, then maybe don't upgrade to this. Or if you do upgrade to this, Use uh, Hibernate that version to roll your version of Hibernate back down to the last known well, uh, known to work version, which they uh, you know they talk about in the blog. So it's been very interesting. And then, then of course, uh, this uh, you know I've been watching a pull request um, to uh, add support for Spring AI, Spring Initializer, which is super interesting. I love the Spring Initializer. I love Spring AI, and it would be great if I could have some easy way to bootstrap my projects. Uh, and that seems like it'll be coming sooner rather than later. Just stay tuned. But I'm, obviously, there's a lot of good stuff there. I mean, Spring AI keeps getting better and better, right? It's uh, There's integrations. Uh, there's another pull request outstanding for uh, Gemini, Google Gemini, the new AI from Google. There's also existing support for Google's, uh, Google's Vertex, right? Um, and, uh, you know, just new stuff all the time. It works pretty good with native. Uh, obviously, there's work to be done there. It's not a GA yet released, but... There's a new release coming soon, according to the calendar that Spring.io for Spring AI, and I'm sure uh, that this new version of Spring Boot being out uh, is part of the reason it's been, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we needed to land in order to get the new version out. So it's just really, really exciting to see what Spring AI is doing and to have that in this version, I think is going to be great. Speaking of AI of a sorts, not the large language model AI, which we're also familiar, but AI of a sort. There's a um, a very nice project called Time Fold Solver, and um, it's from the same people that worked on OptiPlanner. I, I don't know if it's a fork or if it's the same thing. I forget, but uh, or if it's a you know new thing, but it's the same people who worked on OptiPlanner. Um, and this is really interesting. It has a very good integration with Spring Boot, and uh, I was lucky enough to sit down with Time Fold Solver AI's lead, Jeffrey uh, DeSmith. Uh, to discuss it. And that's what this, this discussion is today. This uh, interview is with uh, Joffrey. Um, that is already on the Spring Initializer, start.spring.io. 
So you can start there, but do so after you've watched this demo uh, or, and listened to this discussion that I have with Geoffrey. My friend, as always, enjoy the episode. I learned a lot. I always do. I think I'm going to be doing more YouTube videos uh, with Geoffrey sooner rather than later. Oh, by the way, I, there's an interesting roundup of all the sort of most well-performing talks done across all the different tech conferences in 2023, the year we just came from. Uh, and uh, I was very pleased to see that I was the most represented in that list of the 100 different talks. Uh, and I had the most views if you add them all up together. Uh, and, and in general, spring was more the most popular topic. So out of nearly 200 talks, uh, a majority of them were spring-based in some way. And I'm sure the ones that weren't spring-based in the title had spring in them somewhere, you know, a lot of them. So just a very, very nice endorsement from the community. Thank you so much, everybody. We, we appreciate you. We're glad that you're getting something out of the, uh, the technology and that the content is interesting to you. Um, all right, my friends. Enjoy the, enjoy the discussion. Everybody's drank their coffee and is ready to go because, well, I didn't, I, I'm not, I didn't drink my coffee yet. But hi, hey, Joss, good to see you. Good to see you. Hi, and uh, good to see everybody else who's joined us. Uh, so this is going to be a bit of an unusual one. We're going to be doing an interview. We'll do it. We'll do a, a, a show and tell for the YouTube audience, and then we're going to do a conversation because I want to turn that conversation without the show and tell, because we, we, we can only just tell, right? We'll turn that into a, uh, into a podcast. So for people who are watching the whole time, don't worry, it'll be, it'll be fine. But there's going to be a little bit in the middle where I'm going to reintroduce Joffrey here, uh, and it'll sound like I don't know what I'm doing, which is, um, well, that's probably fair. It's probably not too far from the truth anyway. Um, okay, so Joffrey, my friend, welcome. Thank you for uh, making the time. I know this is like, I, 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 uh, I, I don't make it easy to plan and I'm sorry about that, um, but you you were super patient and, uh, and indulgent. I'm super glad you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Josh. Oh, thank you. You know, I've, I could probably use Timefold uh, to help me with my planning. Uh, actually, um, yeah. I think I, I think you are. I think the problem that made it so hard for me to find time with you would have been better solved if I had just learned to use and used Timefold. So, can you uh, explain what it is and how it works and what and who you are. Actually, start with who you are. Let's do that first. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm Jeffrey De Smet. Um, I come from Ghent, from Belgium. And so um, 17 years ago, I started this open source project in my spare time. And a fun fact: the first version of it used Spring. So 17 years ago, we so for a library, it doesn't make sense to use a. a uh, you know, the platform yeah. like Spring Inside, right? It's, it's the other way around. Spring uses libraries like, like right. Timefold, right? But uh, for the first actual version, I still hooked everything up together with, with Spring, which was, you know, uh, I really loved it. I still love it, right? So uh, I, I did that. Um, and so what it is, it's basically uh, a constraint solver. It's a planning engine. And you can solve all kinds of planning problems with it. And the world is really full of planning problems. Like, um, right. so... Josh, have you ever been to an airport? Uh, once or twice, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so what you, what what do you see when you walk in? When you walk into an airport, the first thing you see is like, like an absolute bedlam, chaos. Yes, and 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 to guide everything into the right order, you see like 
um, escalators bringing you to places, stuff like this, and, and an automatic doors. And all of those stuff needs maintenance. And so yeah. there's maintenance problems, right? So, and when you walk through, um, almost everywhere you'll see planning problems all over the place. Like in the airport, when you check in your luggage, there's people there accepting your luggage. There's people, um, there's, you need to have desks assigned to each of the airlines. Uh, when you take your flight that takes off of a certain time, uh, when you go through security uh, checkpoints, there's security guards that um, will check, uh, you know, do the security there guard. And that, that's where you have a shift scheduling problem. You need to assign security guards to those uh, to those places. When you go to an, an, to the gate, somebody has decided which gate your airport your airplane is off. And typically, right. when they change the gate, you want you hopefully it's into a nearby gate and not to a gate to the other side of the airport, right? And each of these things is actually a planning problem. And so what uh, what our open source solver does. It's going to help you solve those problems in a better way. It's going to figure out that um, when we schedule the gate to a particular airplane, uh, to a particular flight, we're right. going to make sure that those match better. That, for example, when we need to change that, that, for example, to reduce the chance that we have to change the gate, uh, not okay. have a flight that's going off at 5 and then another one at 5.15, that, that's too close to each other. And right. And when you when we do change the gate, that uh, it's going to be to a nearby gate and not to the outside of the airport. Right. Um, See, this is the kind of stuff that I wish people would use because clearly most airports are not using anything close to this level of sophistication. If you've ever been, are... if you've ever been on an, on the Belgian rail uh, railroads, it's it's pretty much the same problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, when I go to DevOps, for example, I get dropped off in the uh, top of uh, Antwerp Central, and I okay. have six minutes to get down to the um, to the bottom of Antwerp Central to get the, to catch the train there. Almost every time I miss it. It's like three levels. Yeah. I, I, so for people who are not aware, Antwerp Central is this huge, huge train station in the middle of Antwerp. Beautiful, but also it's it's like a MC Escher uh, drawing. You know, the levels on top of each other, it feels like you've got zigzags and it's a knot of a, of a train station. And there's several levels. It's like three or four levels before from top to bottom, right? Yeah. And so when you do all of these kinds of planning problems, what you want to do is when you, for example, when people assign these shifts, when they use technology to assign these, these uh, sorry, these, uh, these trains and these uh, things like that, to uh, the track, to the platform they'll stay in which when they will arrive, what time and stuff like that. Right. The more optimal you do that, the better experience you get for the users, but also you, you actually reduce uh, costs heavily. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, one of the big problems we do is uh, field service routing, where we assign uh, vehicles to go to a number of locations, for example, install telco, um, or um, you know do maintenance on elevators or do maintenance on uh, on electricity grids and stuff like that, and by just ordering those routes of those technicians more optimally, you can often reduce travel time by like twenty five percent. And so our open source solver, what we do is it allows you to basically take any planning problem and implement that uh, using Java, using uh, Spring, and then yeah. to uh, to just say, okay, here's my problem, and now you figure out. Uh, what who who does what at which time, right? And right. You, and the big thing you give it there is you give it a number of constraints. Like um, I want to reduce the travel time, 
Um, I want to make sure that everybody gets, you know, cable is installed. I want to make sure when I send somebody to a certain location, they have the right skill to do that job. You know what this reminds me of? <clears throat> and I'm an idiot, so forgive me if this is off base. Uh, and it, it kind of it clicked because you just you mentioned earlier. Uh, I mentioned to you that I'm at CERN here in uh, yeah. in uh, Geneva, and uh, and you said, "Oh, hey, say hi to Mario, who famously works on Drools, right? Which is a rules yeah. engine. Is this is this have anything to do with the retail algorithm and that kind of stuff?" So um, the original implementation, so uh, now it's called Timefold, but uh, we're actually continuation of fork basically of OptoPlanner. And mm -hmm. so OptoPlanner under the hood used uh, Drools. So for more than uh, 15 years, we used Drools um, as a score calculation engine. Now Drools is a rule engine, right? So right. Um, it's not the same kind of problem. So if you have, for example, um, so if you have a decision table, Drools is a really, really good fit. So for example, um, if you need to say, okay, um, based how much in uh, what is your uh, how much insurance do you need to pay, right? Uh, what's your insurance rate? For example, we have a car, and it's a certain size, and it's a certain speed, and you're a certain age, and you've had that x amount of accidents. How much do you need to pay? That's a decision table. That's something where uh, right. rules is the technology you want to use. You, you're looking for a rule engine. Right. However, when you want to say, okay, I need to assign a number of vehicles to stop at a number of locations, and I need to decide which vehicle goes to which location in which order, then you, your problem becomes what they call in mathematics terms, NP-hard. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling salesman. Yes, traveling salesman problem, right? And once you hit that kind of level of complexity, you need an optimization engine, right? And um, uh, so it's two different technologies, but you know the use cases are. It's often hard to see which use case belongs to A or B, unless you're into uh, into the technology deeply, of course. Right? I see. And so do these things. I guess they they might even pair well together. Like you might even yep. have an yep. app with sufficient enough complexity yep. where these things might be used in tandem. Um, yep. I it, it makes sense. Well, you just, like the routing problem. This is huge, right? And, we, and we've heard countless, I've, you know, over the years I've seen like a DHL or, or the post office, whatever. They talk about how they only used routes that did just, just right turns or something like yeah. that or whatever. And they saved millions of dollars or whatever. So it's, there's clearly wins in this. But can we, can we connect the abstract to the real? Can we show, can we see a demo? Yes, of course. Yeah, because the, the biggest problem in all of this is that um, it, 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 most planning problems are hard, right? And you need the technology where we can solve this in an easy way. Because okay. thinking of this is, so, uh, I'll just show you a simple case here. This is the uh, school time planning case. And I'll show you the code behind it in a second, um, but I just want to show you what it does, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I just want to, before we get into this, I just want to mention that if you look at all of the planning problems in the world, experts estimate that maybe 5% are solved with real production solvers. So most of them are solved either by humans doing it manually in Excel, right? Yeah. Um, if you're lucky in Excel, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and or automated systems, a lot of automated, you know, homegrown traditional systems. Right. But because these problems are so complex, RNP hard, most of those auto, uh, you know, in-house systems do what we call a greedy uh, algorithm, where they say, where they assign things in a, in a relatively simplistic way, uh, because these problems are so complex. 
Now, with tools like Typhoon, but there's other solvers, there's other open source solvers and commercial solvers, you actually get much better results. Um, however, using these is often challenging, and that's something we want to change with, with uh, our implementation. And I'll show you how that, how that works, and, and you'll still see that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take you through it. So in this is particular implementation, uh, open source? Yes, everything is open source. Everything is Apache. Uh, you can download this one and you can try it. You can adjust it. And it's actually been used all across the world. There's people actually, you know, uh, this is a school templating uh, uh, implementation. And there's people using this to organize schools, you know, the classes in schools, right? Um, there's people using us for, uh, yeah. There's, uh, I remember. You mean uh, like kids register for classes and you've only got so many classes that they can go to and you need to assign them to um, you, classes, that kind of thing? You could do that too, yes. Uh, this one is where we need to assign uh, lessons, where we already know who, which kids does, does which, which lesson. We need to okay. assign for each of these lessons to a room and to a time slot. So here we have a number of lessons, like like math and biology. And uh, you can see it's, uh, it's a little bit of made up data. We have Marie Curie uh, teaching chemistry, we have Alan Turing teaching math, and we need to decide <laughs> And we need to assign each of these to a room and to a time slot, right? And so you might, so on first sight, this might be easy, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to hit the solve button and it's going to actually assign each of these for us, right? But before I do that, well, let's actually do that. So what happens now is that the solver figures out, okay, if I assign them like this, I get a, I get a good solution. If I assign them like that, I get a better solution. And as we give it more and more time, it finds a better and better solution. You can actually see that here at the top. This is what we call the score. And the score consists of two things, hard constraints and soft constraints. And I'll just stop it for a second to just show you what that means. Oh, I uh, don't know why I'm getting the error here. Uh, this is live coding is always interesting, right? Always. Always. Mm, okay, it's, an, it's a UI problem. It's not a... It's not a back-end problem. We'll, okay. I'll get this fixed, of course, too. Anyway, what we see here is that each of these lessons is assigned to a room and to a time slot. And you can see that um, Matt here is assigned to uh, Monday uh, in room B. Now, when we look at each of these rooms, we can see there's no two lessons in the same room at the same time. And that's very easy to do. If I ask you assign these lessons to these rooms, you just throw them in and you just make sure that you don't put two lessons in the same room at the same time, right? Wow. But, but what if you add constraints? Yeah, what, what, what about the teachers, right? So if you actually look at it per teacher, what you will see is that uh, we also need to make sure that no two teachers has the same room, at the, uh, is teaching two lessons at the same time. So if you look at it per room again, and we would actually say, okay, where's Turing here, right? You can see that Turing is, is never teaching two lessons at the same time. If we right. look at... Uh, and if you look at Korea and so forth, you'll see that she's never teaching two at the same time. So what we can do is actually look, look at per teacher. You can see how they're, that this is, the, this is their lessons. For example, Alan Turing starts with math, math, uh, then uh, some time off, then math. And then yeah. if you look per student group, we have the same problem again. And this is actually quite hard to solve. So if, if humans do this, if you do this, if you're in school and you have to do this for 400 lessons, this usually takes more than a week, somebody doing this in Excel, figuring out, okay, how can we make sure that every um, every lesson is in one room at a time, every teacher gives at most one uh, lesson at the same time, and every student 
know, has to attend at most one lesson at the same time. And, yeah. and that's just the hard constraints, right? And then you also have the soft constraints. Soft constraints like, I don't want to have more than you know two lessons of math or three lessons of math in a row. Uh, okay. I want to make sure that um, per teacher, there's enough, there's, it, it gets bound, it, it gets grouped together a bit, right? And we'll actually see if we actually solve it a bit longer that um, as it finds better and better solutions, it will actually bring these together more, right? Oh, cool. So you don't have gaps. Yes, indeed. So I actually deleted a lot of the gaps already. You can see this, these nice three lessons in a row, you know, three lessons in a row. And um, hmm, maybe let me just restart the UI and just solve it, right? And what you will see yep. is, uh, so in the first, if you look at it per teacher now, see there's still a lot of gaps, right? right. And as this, this five soft goes up, six soft, seven soft, it's actually starting to condense those um, those, uh, le those, those lessons together and, and increase the number of, you know, decrease the number of pauses between lessons, which, increase, which increases the quality of life for the teachers. So, oh, does it actually finish? So uh, is it finished? Looks like it's uh, finished. Yeah, so I gave it 30 seconds to solve in this case. So if we oh, go to the, yeah. um, so you can solve for, um, it, it typically can uh, can keep improving. So you can say, if I reach a certain score, I want to swap. But what right. you can also do, uh, what you typically need to do once you start scaling out, because it's like the traveling salesman problem, once it scales out, you cannot solve it with all of the computer planet on, uh, computer power on this planet. Right. So what you do, what you do instead then is you, yeah, you time box it. And so let me just show you how that works. So if yeah, I, let's go. Yep, don't show. And I actually show, here we go, here we go. So in here, we have uh, an application properties. This actually sets for how long we want to run the solver. Now you can run it actually unlimited and just so, uh, terminate asynchronously, do a call to it and say, okay, I want you to stop solving right now. Right. Uh, or you can actually time box it like Where this is case. Again? There it is. Ah, okay. And you can actually time box it like I'm doing right now. I've just changed this line. Okay. See, and the, so that was 30 seconds. So let's set that to five minutes. So you if go. you want to start that Spring AO, you would, are you showing us just existing code or we're going to like, uh, will we eventually see how to create it or what? So yeah, if you want to create this, you go to start.spring.io, you create your first project mm -hmm. and then you, uh, and I'll take you through some of the classes in here, right? Um, okay. And, so, and also the build file. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's start with the build file. If you're okay, I'll take uh, the Maven sure. one. A bit more comfortable in that, to be honest. So in the build file, you declare your uh, timefold version and your Spring Boot version, right? Mm -hmm. And again, with start.spring.io, this will actually generate that for you. It might look a little bit different than this one, but it's the same principle. And the only real thing you have in there is, besides your uh, your Spring dependencies, of course, is your uh, timefold solver Spring Boot starter. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then from there, um, when you then go, you create a domain. So in this domain, I've created things like a room where I said, okay, I have a room class. You could make this a record these days and probably nice. should be a record. Yeah, yes, I know I should have made this a record. Yeah, <laughs> um, what is planning ID? That's ah, cool. Yeah, so um, 
this is actually strictly not strictly necessary planning ID, but um, when we have support for a number of features and some of them uh, work um, better if they, they know that, okay, this uh, class has an ID uh, and it's like a planning ID and it's, it makes it unique. It's a property that makes it unique. It allows us to do internally certain performance optimizations. Now, if you don't if you don't have this, and I can actually remove this if you want this right now, you'll see it makes no difference for this particular use case. This is okay. a little bit uh, overflow here. Now, what this has is this is just a room class. This is some JSON uh, um, uh, Jackson information we have here to make it uh, prettier uh, the JSON we output, and this thing has a name, and then the time slot. That the time slot is like, okay, what, what day of the week is it, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. How, what time does it start? What time does it end? And that's pretty much our uh, time slot, right? Yeah. And then the big thing is the lesson. That, that's really the thing where, where you can really see some, some, um, some changes, so, some uh, specific changes around time fold. So you have the lesson, which has a subject, uh, a teacher and a student group. So for example, math, Marie Curie, well, uh, chemistry as a subject, teacher Marie Curie and a student group, maybe 10th grade or something like that. And we need to assign it to a time slot and a room. And so this is where these things from time fold come in. And that's the planning variable. That basically means that um, we're not going to fill that in. We're going to leave that annual L, null. And then time fold will fill it in for us based upon uh, the constraints we set in the uh, constraint provider, which I'll, I'll show you in a minute. Okay. So um, we're basically telling, we're telling the solver, you cannot change the subject or the teacher or a student group of a lesson, but you can change the time slot and the room. You can fill that in for us. Right. And you, you need to fill that in, not for just this one lesson, we need to fill it in for all of the lessons and they need to work together, right? You can choose any of the lessons to be assigned to uh, 9.30 and room A, right? But then you cannot put any of the other lessons in that same time slot in the same room, right? So cool. And then when you go to the solver, when you go to the constraint, then you have the constraints. So right. we talked a little bit earlier about the constraints. So the first three constraints are those three tabs I showed you, which is the room conflict constraint. This is the first one there, which says that I don't want to have two lessons in the same room at the same time. The teacher conflict, I don't want to have two te one teacher having to teach two lessons at the same time. And the student group, similarly, I don't want to have a group of a student have to attend two lessons at the same time. You can right. see we added a number of soft constraints too. Teacher room stability. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I want to make sure that the teacher has his own room, right? So they can decorate it with math formula or with French uh, translations, right? To erase it every night. Yeah. And then, um, um, and then the teacher time efficiency one, that's the big one. That's the one where we want to make sure that uh, we keep the teachers happy. Right. The, fun, the fun stuff is you can actually turn it around. You can say, I want the exact opposite. Um, now, I wouldn't do that in production, of course, but um, yeah. And then the student group, so Jibzoot for art is just a difficult name of saying, I don't want to have an afternoon of all math, of all French or all Spanish, right? I want to have some variety in my, uh, my su subject groups. Now, the way you implement this, we've written, um, a functional uh, API to do this. Now you could write this with for loops and we support that too, where you just write some for loops. You say, okay, if I have two lessons in the same room at the same time, I wanna, I wanna break hard constraints. So the does it re does it keep reevaluating those tests and those for loops against all the nodes and the uh, yeah. set of 
possibilities, I guess. Yes, yes. And um, so we build up a node network, right? Very much yeah. a little bit like a routing network, but uh, with some simplifications because we don't have to deal with things like what they call inference, where the end of the last node one goes back into the first node, right? Um, now, what we what we basically what this basically does is that um, when every time it tries new solution, right? It says, okay, let me try swapping those two lessons, right? Um, or like in shift scheduling, let me try sw swapping those two shifts. Or like in vehicle routing, let me try give that visit and that visit switch that between the two vehicles. Right. What it what it does is, it it has to recalculate all of the constraints. And for for this case, for example, it has to check every lesson with every other lesson. So every pair of two lessons, it has to check: are those two lessons now in the same time slot and in the same room? Right. Oh wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And when you do that, the problem with the thing is we want to do that 10,000 times per second. Otherwise, right. we don't have a fast solver. And if you don't have a fast solver, you don't get a good solution. So right. the way to do that 10,000 times per second is something we call incremental calculations with deltas, right? Which is, and that's that's a lot of fun, but it's very hard to write, right? So what you what we do is with this API, you write it like this, right, as a yeah. user, but under the hood, we make sure that um, when we swap one lesson with, an, with another lesson somewhere, um, we only look at the delta on the, on the score that those two lessons imply. So that means um, when there's 400 lessons in there and two of them swap, we are not comparing any of the 398 other lessons with each other. We're only comparing those two lessons with all of the other lessons. I see. And that's just an order of magnitude faster. It's not like for 400 lessons, it's 200 times faster. It's 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 a, it's a huge performance gain. Huge. Yeah. Oh my. So okay. So we've got these constraint objects. You've got uh, you've you've shown us the properties that we can use to time box the uh, resolution. You've shown mm -hmm. us the annotations and the component model on the data objects that are then fed in and used as part of the the, the solver, the solution. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned there's another file that we should be looking at. Which is, um, well, then basically, of course, you still have the, the case where you use it, right? So let me just show you that. And this is yep. in the uh, time in the controller, of course, right? So what you do is you auto wire the uh, solver manager, right? Okay. Okay. So it's a time, it's a solver manager of timetable to string. What is string in this case? Is that the planner ID? Uh, it's the job ID. And in hindsight, in the next version, we'll probably just hard-coded to string because everybody's using a string. Okay. Um, we wanted to make it extra flexible, but yeah, API design-wise, um, it's a bit overboard, right? And okay. So we, we're learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you're you're using the solver to solve your own code. Yeah. And so the, the solver manager, when you look at this, so what we do is I'll just go down here for a second. Um, we say, you can do a build. Oh, there, there's a few APIs you can use. I'm going to, this is a little bit more complex one. Let me show you the simpler version. Where you just say, okay, solve. I'm going to give you an ID. Let's say this is my first job. And then I give you my problem, right? And so when you put it like this, you're go we're going to give it a problem, which has a set of lessons and a set of uh, rooms and a set of time slots. And then it's right. going to give us back the problem uh, we can say, okay, this will actually you can say, give us the final best solution here. 
and this will give us back uh, the, the solution. And from this right. solution, we can then say, okay, uh, we now have for for the solution. So we have solution get lessons, right? And we can right. then say, okay, let's print out for each lesson the uh, the room and the the timetable, uh, the time slot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so this is. It's really straightforward. You're just you literally just have a an aggregate type called the timetable, and then from there you can work with the data set that was fed into the solution, the solver. Okay. And you can define your constraints as code, which might seem like yeah, this is abs absolutely well logical, but it is quite unique when you compare it to um, you know a, a lot of the other options you have out there. Um, most of the time, most solvers prefer you to write your constraints as mathematical equations. Um, and where you basically say like X plus Y is smaller than one. And, and you use that to build things like, I want to make sure that no room, no two lessons are being taught at the same room. Or like an index or something. Okay. Yeah. And um, it does give, it is interesting power. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fun math behind that, linear equations and stuff like that. <laughs> if you ever solve like a matrix, right? It's a lot of fun right. stuff around that. And it's hard to maintain, it's hard to read. And so we took a very different approach and we used the delta and the incremental uh, calculations, stuff like this to, to come up with the same speed and, and scale out and, and, and be able to deal with that. You know, we have the same quality of solutions but at the same time, make it user-friendly, make, make it maintenance-friendly, right? I love um, this. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that getting used to this Streams API is a little bit, you have to get used to a little bit. Yeah. But I'm sure. Yeah. So here we're saying for each unique pair, we're saying select those two lessons, uh, right? This is actually already some, some, some uh, syntactic sugar. What you really want to do is like, uh, what you typically write is, let me show you. Do like okay, um, for each lesson, right? Then I have a yeah. lesson. This is a little bit like SQL, right? They right. say okay, give me another lesson. Now I have two lessons. That's great. Um, now I want to have uh, that they uh, equal that they have the same uh, room, right? Here we yeah. go. And then we want to have an equal lesson time slot, all right? That's that. Yeah. And when you do that, then we have a problem. So then we're going to hit the solver on the head, say, okay, don't do that anymore. And then we say, okay, this is a hard, uh, let's say okay. a hard, a hard one. This is a hard problem, right? And then we, we return that as a constraint and we need to give it a name, right? And this allows you to, you, you can put filters in here. You can say, okay, just give me the lessons on, you know, uh, lessons on Monday, right? Where the uh, time slot get day of week equals Monday, right? You could yeah. do things like that. So it's a very powerful API. It's, it's very much inspired by the Streams 8, uh, the Java 8 Streams API in SQL. Um, but behind the scenes, it's also incremental. So that's why we couldn't just use you know, Java streams, we had to actually create our own version of it because it, it needs but to be familiar. You've got yeah. filters and join and, and for each, it, you know, it looks good. Yeah. And well, there's, you can go group buys and it's, it's very rich, of course, right? You can handle any constraints you might need to have. Right? This is awesome. Um, 
Okay. Uh, is there more? I mean, the API, actually, you just did a really good job. Is there more that we need to know, basically? No. No, but the, there's maybe one case, if you want to do like a vehicle routing case, then instead of using um, a normal variable like we've done here, here we've said you can assign one time slot. Right. What you would, what you would then do is say, okay, I actually have a planning list variable, which means I have a list oh. instead of, and then you have something typically looks like this. Okay, there's no visits here, but when you say right. I have a vehicle and that has a list of visits, right? Like in the traveling salesman problem. Oh, yeah then you need to have a list variable. And then we're going to fill in all of the all of the variables into this list. In oh, order. There, yeah. There's, okay. there's one thing I didn't show earlier. Uh, let me just jump on that. Indeed. Let me, there's one thing I didn't show you earlier. It's when you go to the timetable here. I didn't show this class. Um, now, this class is the same in every one of our problems. In fact, we're thinking of making an abstract class for it that you can just reuse, right? Right. Yeah. And what it does is it just has a list of all of the time slots, a list of all of the rooms, a list of all of the lessons, and a score. Uh, this is the thing we gave back and forth. So when you looked at the when you looked at the controller, this was the class we sent. This is the data set we sent to the, to the solver and the data set we get back. Right? Uh, that's so cool. That is so cool. So you have the ability to do one single variables or multiple variables uh, yeah. as parameters. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so for people who are wondering, you just go to start.spring.io. Does this work with, I, I haven't tried it yet, so I'll try it out as soon as we get off stream here pretty soon. Uh, but does this work with uh, GraalVM native images by chance? Uh, we have uh, on our GitHub discussions, we have a, 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 an entire post now, how you use it on uh, GraalVM. We're, we're, but we're improving the out-of-the-box support in the uh, auto uh, starter. So nice. uh, yeah. It's uh, so this is one of our biggest priorities right now. Um, oh, that's so cool. I mean, this is already really cool. It's fast, you know. I just want to see mm -hmm. if it'll work. Maybe I can help you with that. Um, okay, this is super good. Um, I, I don't think we need to do the, the podcast just because we talked it through. This is really, really great. Um, I where do people find more about this? Yeah, so start at spring.io if you want to try start trying out with Spring Boot and you just add the timeful dependency there. Let me just right. show you that. And of course, our website, our, uh, our, uh, our, our so let me go, uh, our website, timeful.ai too, right? So let me just share the first one here. This start at spring.io. You click here, you look for timefold, right? And, nice website. Yeah, and then, ah, uh, thank you. Um, so, and then the other one is, of course, the, uh, here we go. This is our website. Um, I think it's zoomed in a bit too much. Oh, right. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we okay. went with the AI. So technically yeah. a solver is part of AI, but not machine learning. So um, we went with the AI stream. You can, uh, it was a long debate whether we went with AI or AI. And then when you try this out, the really good one is, you know, you go to the documentation, you'll get the uh, things there. Um, in our quick starts, we, which is gone right now. Uh, okay, we have a, the link to the quick starts. We just changed it. But we actually have a, a quick starts repo tool. Let me just quickly show it. And there you'll find a whole bunch of quick starts, right? So... Uh, Where are you pasting this or showing this? Ah, you cannot see my screen. Okay. So um, we have a, uh, let me share my screen. Uh, uh -huh. There you go. 
Yeah, so this is timeful.ai. When you go here, you will find the documentation. That's where you can find the uh, the uh, whole uh, quick starts, which I just shown you a minute ago, right? And when you go to um, our repo, all right, in here we also have the quick starts repo, and you will find a whole bunch of uh, quick starts in here too. Like for example, you'll find a quick start for employee scheduling, one for food packaging, one for maintenance scheduling, and so forth. Uh, all kinds of planning problems. And again, you cannot see my screen, so let me just. I can see. It. Oh, I saw it. Ah. I saw your. Okay. Yes. Okay. So what you can see in the quick starts repo, we have a whole bunch of quick starts there which you can try out, and these are all kinds of different uh, planning cases: vehicle routing, food packaging, uh, employee scheduling. Right. Um, you start with the startupspring.io, and then you can copy some of the domains here, and you can start changing. Um, so we can go in each of these uh, use cases and say, I like this constraint. I want to copy that or want to learn from that while you build up your domain, basically. That's so cool. This is so cool. I'm. Uh, I will. I will definitely have to do a live stream where I'm just like trying all this stuff out. Um, but I like this. This is like you. You just took something that has made my head hurt and and fit it into thirty minutes, and now it doesn't hurt. You know, just like this is perfect. This is really good. And how do you? Uh, forgive me for being indelicate, but how do you make money? I hope you make money. I want you to make money. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, so um, we sell of course, we sell support on this, and we also have a high scalability uh, feature. So um, it's a little bit like Kafka and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we have two particular features. One is multi-threaded solving. So when you solve on one thread, typically you get good results. Um, to uh, maybe when you do ten, uh, you know, thousand shifts, uh, two thousand shifts. Uh, in yeah. shift scheduling, for example, but when you go go to a, a, a lot of shifts, let's say ten thousand, a hundred thousand shifts, then you're really already a big organization. You're probably only right. Fortune five hundred, right? Right. Um, then we have some. Uh, you can we have some extra features for you where you can say, okay, I want to use three, four cores, and you get a speed uh, an additional speed up with that. And that's basically how we. Uh, th that's our model. We beyond. We did in the past, We everything was, um, so in, in the OptoPlanner area, everything was open source, but obviously there were some issues with that. Right. Um, we are a bit of a niche technology. Not everybody needs, almost everybody needs a database. Not everybody needs a solver. Well, but, so, but if you do need one, see, this is the thing I think is really, um, I like these technologies. I like middleware for integration. I like workflow engines. I like rules engines. I like solvers. I think there's all this really cool stuff that, you know, now we all talk about AI, but I think there's all this like stuff that has just been solving really, really big problems for the last 30 years. And people just don't know that there's a solution for this stuff already. This is one of those things where I'm just really happy to see it. And the fact that it's open source and that you can just start that spring that, oh, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. And it's, it's, people are using this to plan their uh, wedding tables, to give you an idea, to plan their tennis club schedules. Um, it's just, you know, you, you can try it out, you can play with it, and it's it's always fun to see how people use it all over the world for all kinds of crazy kinds of uh, planning problems. I love so, it. Yeah. This is very, very cool. Thank you. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. Before we go, where are you on the, well, are you on the internet? Do you want to be found? Yeah. And if so, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, just my name, Jeffrey DeSmet, and uh, you'll, you'll, you should be able to find me there. Um, yeah. 
Uh, oh, we have a great YouTube channel uh, on Timefold. So if you go okay. to timefold.ai and on the top right, you go to the YouTube channel. We have some some shorts around planning videos, like how do you continuous planning and real-time planning, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, okay, hold on. So I gotta find Geoffrey Smith. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so yeah, just. So yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter and on LinkedIn and. Can you put it in the comments. Mm. Yes, no, no problem. Uh, let me just do that. Um, and of course, also uh, on Mastodon, of course, right? Yes, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the new one. Uh, let's see here, one sec. There you go. I'll put it in the chat here. And. Uh, Fort. Okay, copy and paste. Um, here. paste that. Yep. Okay, that's you on the internet if you want to be found. And then the website uh, with the videos is. Nice. Uh, if you just go to the Timefold website, you'll find a link at the top, uh, at the top right. Right. So if you right, uh, what, uh, pricing. No, no, no. Top right. There's a YouTube. Uh, uh, oh, right next to so small guy. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's it. an internal discussion. How big should that be, right? <laughs> uh, and that's where we have a. Uh, uh, there you go, uh, that one. Yeah. So like and subscribe. Um, and and then finally, we have a, we have a question here. Uh, has Red Hat started contributing to Timefold as it did with OptiPlanner? Does it have plans to do so? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so Red Hat has not contributed to Timefold yet. Uh, they took one of our improvements and uh, backported it to OptiPlanner. And we're happy with that, of course. Um, but yeah, we're not seeing much activity on, on the OptoPlanner repo at this point in time. Um, I would love to have continued it there too. It's just, you know, it, it didn't fit within the, the continued company strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're, you know, ever, everything is quite amicably in the sense that, um, there's no hard feelings there or with us. It's, it's just a, a way forward, right? I, we really wanted to continue the project, and um, it's really, in the, as you see, what we've done in the last six months and improvements we've done is we're really taking it up a notch and really um, adding more examples, um, adding more features, uh, better integration with Spring, um, and you know, um, yeah, that kind of things. We're playing also with, with more with Kotlin right now. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. Um, so all kinds of, uh, all, we're, we're trying all kinds of things to make sure that. Whatever you guys, wherever you guys want to use it, make sure that it works and it works well. Right. That's how amazing. That's amazing. I love this community spirit. I love it. I love all the cool stuff you're doing. Um, we'll have to do this again. Maybe we can just do it. Like this is a, I'm gonna. This is a small, quick video for people who want to get started. Uh, but I would love to just sit there and hack with you at some point and just, you know, we, we'll yeah. do a long one. Um, uh, are you? So thank you very much. Uh, is it? Thank you, Will. No, thank you, Will. No, how do you say that? 
Is that Dutch? Okay. Is that Flemish? Dank, dank je wel. Dank je wel. Yes, that. Thank you. And thanks everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash at Timefold and Twitter or X.com forward slash Geoffrey de Sven. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, thank you very much, Josh. This was uh, uh, fun to do and uh, thanks uh, for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.